Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of Kayla. Father God, in the name of Jesus, what a privilege and an honor it is to stand today in your presence in the midst of your people to deliver that which you have honored me to be the first partaker of. I thank you, Lord, that you would anoint me, that you would refresh me, revive me, empower me, strengthen me, endow me, that I may render that which you have entrusted unto me. And God, I thank you for everyone here, both present in this place currently, as well as those who may hear this days from now or in years to come, virtually, right where they sit in their homes, in their cars, wherever we find ourselves as we listen to this message today. I pray, Lord, that we are good ground, that we are able to hear and grab hold of and act upon that which we hear today. And Lord, may we be changed forever as we continue in our quest to honor you and to be the good and faithful servants that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, the way that was set up, it was sounding like I was closing, but we are just getting started. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. Today is awesome. Is anybody in expectation? Yeah, I know I am. I'm excited about this. So last week, PD dropped some nuggets on us for sure. And I just want to share a few notes with you because uh, there was a reason that I make all this noise right here when anybody is preaching. OK, but um, it was extremely strong last week. So some of the things he said include this. A Christian who does not produce fruit for the kingdom is like a tree that does not do what it was created to do. What good are you to the Lord if you are not producing? Isn't that sobering? What good are you in the master's hands if he can't have his way with you? And then he said this, and it reminded me so much of what Pastor Brad was on a couple of weeks ago. People pay you based upon your marketplace value. Do you remember when he said that? What are you bringing to the table? And then he said this, God will not promote you if you don't do something with what you have. Acknowledge the good things he's put in you and produce something for him. Uh, thank you, honey, for letting me re-preach, re-teach your message. Okay, some more notes here, and then I promise you we're going to get started. He said this, you aren't going to hell because you don't produce. You just won't have any rewards in heaven. Right. Right. And then he said this, there's more you can do now. You can produce now. Are you producing now? Right. And this, he said, we cannot produce without constant contact with God. So this parable of the talents is in Matthew 25, and I'm going to ask you to go come along with me there and get set up to talk about this. Like I said, it came to mind when I was listening to Pastor Brad and Pastor Dwayne on Sunday, um, this past Sunday. And so I just want to take some time to seal the things we've heard the last couple of weeks, because this truly is a word to our church, King Living Ministries, family. Do you recognize that the Lord is speaking to us? And we're on the brink of something as individuals and also as a church. He's trying to get something to us. So let us heed what he's saying. 
Pastor Brad said this. He said, basically, and I, you know, I paraphrase that God is coming for our fruit. And I believe that he is checking on us, KLM, whether we are in our grace and place. Like Pastor Brad said, bearing fruit is a process. He wants us in the process. And he also said this. So many people are out of their callings. Church, I don't want you to be caught out here unsure about what you're called to. Or I don't want you out here unable to bear fruit when you know what you're called to and you're just not able to move forward in it. Let it be for those in this church who call this church their home, that even if you're not yet in the fullness of your unique calling, that you're on your way and you're preparing. Let your general calling as a believer and minister of the reconciliation be sure. Pastor Brad also talked about following God to fulfill our callings. So say, I have a calling. PD shared some faith and wisdom principles necessary to produce results from a biblical perspective. So say, I am fruitful. And today I want to share with you regarding working your gifts and abilities for his glory. Say what God gives me. I'm up. Uh huh. Go ahead. What God gives me. I multiply. So today we're going to talk about how to work your talents, how to work your talents. So I want to start with this thought from Genesis and we don't have to go there because we're still on Matthew 25, right? We're going to go through Matthew 25. But do you remember those first few mentions in Genesis up from Adam and Eve to Noah? The Lord is saying, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And although they are similar, they are not the same. To be fruitful is more linear. To multiply is generational. Yeah. To multiply echoes. To multiply makes, takes what you have and makes more of it. But you got to have something. Yeah. <laughs> so you produce something and then you amplify it. You multiply it. So with that in mind, let's go to Matthew 25. And we're going to read, <laughs> because I am my husband's wife, we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures today. So we're going to read this whole passage first together. And then we're going to go through line by line. So we're going to start at chapter 14. For it, it is referring to the coming of Christ, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent dug, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he had received, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more saying, master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he who also 
had the, and, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enjoy the joy, excuse me, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24, he also had received the one talent. I'm sorry, I can't read today, church. Let me, let me back up. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be more given and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Sobering, right? A lot to unpack. So that's why I want to take our time so that we don't miss a thing in light of what we've been hearing. One thing I want to be very clear about with this parable is that Jesus is telling this to his disciples as a continuation of what he was explaining, um, starting in Matthew, the 24th chapter. And it's about the coming of Christ. Um, even in Matthew 24, 36, Jesus explains, um, verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Yeah. And then verse 42, he says this, therefore, Stay awake. Somebody say, stay awake. stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the son of man is coming at the hour you do not expect. I want to go on here. Probably shouldn't, but we can go on to verse 35. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Say when he comes. When he comes. Verse 37. I'm excuse me. 47. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Someone say all his possessions. All his possessions. 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's harsh. Now, I do want to note that that isn't that isn't a parable. That's an illustration using a scenario that would have been understood and possible during that time. The consequences of being found to be wicked when you were supposed to be serving. My God. But the point is this. We need to live like he's coming back any moment and therefore be found doing the best we can with what we've been given. That's the point. 
we're to be good stewards over all at all times. Didn't it say all my possessions? See, the fullness of, of the earth and the fullness of the, the fullness of the earth. And all, I'm trying to quote this. Oh, Lord, help me out. The earth is the Lord. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So everything belongs to God anyway, but he's given us possession of all. And we don't want to be found mishandling what he's given to us. So after saying this, you know, well, well, before I get there, this idea of eye service, though not mentioned directly, but this is what Jesus is referring to of doing things just to be seen doing them instead of doing them from the heart or as, or because of responsibility or because of the honor, just doing the basic bare minimum when it's possible to do more. That's what displeases God. When it's possible to do more. Nothing that we do is insignificant. Everything matters, but when it's possible to do more and we don't, that is what is not honoring to God. So Jesus is going on to clarify in chapter 25, with, first with the parable of the virgins and then with the parable of the talents, which we're going over today, this point that he's driving home, that you need to be doing something and not just something. You need to be multiplying stuff. You need to be playing large with what the Lord has given. So let's take this verse by verse. So I don't want you to just take my word for it. And we've read the passage already, but I'm going to take it apart line by line to leave you with some steps and takeaways, and then we'll be done. So verse 14 starts this way. For it, and again, we said it, the return of Christ, Christ's return, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So if, if it's like that, then it's like this. We're his servants, and we've been entrusted with God's property. In this parable, verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Let's stop here for a minute. What is a talent? A talent was a measure of money during that time. Does anybody know what a talent is? A drachma. Well, well, let me tell you what it was equal to. It was equal to a year's salary. One talent. So equal to one year's salary. So take a minute to think about your total annual salary. Those of us who are working full time, teens, one day you will be. Um, those who are working right now and blessed to have employment right now, how much you make in a year. Think about it, that if somebody handed over that total amount in one lump sum into your hands and ask you to hold it and manage it on their behalf for some time. That's what we're talking about. I get happy in my soul thinking about a day like that. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> What's the book I used to? Oh, the places we will go. <laughs> so in addition to that, let's talk etymology. So those of you who know my background, y'all know I love English. I love language. I love thinking about how things began and the origin of them. So the word translated talent from the Greek in this passage is actually the origin of the word we use in English as talent. The meaning that we all know, not the one, not the measure of money, not the salary, the one year salary equivalent, but what we know as talent, gifting and ability, a special ability, 
The root of that word is the Greek word for this monetary unit. Is anybody making a connection this morning? It literally comes, the word talent literally comes from the Greek word talenton. Almost rhymes with peloton. Say talenton. That's right. So a word that was literally a measure of money, we're not talking about a denomination of money, a $1 bill, a $5 bill, but a year's salary. The fact that the Greek word is the root of the current word that we use to mean special ability and gifting. You better tell it. We need to note that there's value in the talents current place, current day that you have. Now, that's a good segue for the next thing we need to note from this verse. Ability. Directly correlated to ability. He gave to each according to their ability. So what I want to focus on, though, is the according to part. Somebody say equity. Equity. Everybody wasn't given the equal amount, but they were given according to their ability. So it was fair. Some people look at this on surface level at face value and say, well, he got five and he got one. And maybe that's why he was mad. No, sit down, learn something today. Everybody was given what they could handle. And they weren't limited to that, as we see later. It was fair. Even in here, I think we all do different things for a living outside of of the church, those of us who work outside of the church, and we get different salaries according to what we do from our respective employers. So I am not a doctor. I don't get a doctor's salary because I don't make doctor's decisions and I don't solve, excuse me, doctor's problems for patients. So I'm not going to make that salary. I'm not an attorney. I could have been, probably should have been. No, 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 I'm right where I need to be. I am not billing like that because that's not what the service that I render. I don't have that capability. So we are paid according to what we do, the experience level we have, the industry that we're in. All of those things matter and factor in when these HR folks sit down and determine what we're worth in the marketplace. So for these servants, the one with the five did not have an advantage over the ones who had two or one. Everyone got what they could handle according to the assignment that correlated with their skills and experience. Somebody mm, catch it. Further, when talking about ability, let's understand that the master knew what they were capable of. He knew what was in them. So let's remember this as we continue through the passage. Verse 15 concludes, then he, being the master, went away. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once. Somebody say at once. once. Somebody say immediately. Immediately. And traded with them. And he made five talents more. He had that capability. He knew what to do with it. And he did it immediately. This servant, given the most talents, obviously had the most experience. I'm sure we can all agree that we wouldn't give five times a year's salary to a novice. Mm -hmm. So he went forth in confidence with what to do and how to do it. And further, he understood what the master required of him. It's not that it was easy for him because he basically had to double what he had, but he accepted the challenge to do it. Nobody said here whether or not it was easy. I'm sure it's not. 
I'm sure that even the weight of carrying five times an annual salary in your pocket, that's going to do some things to you. You don't have to be afraid of it, but you acknowledge the weight of it. You acknowledge the responsibility of it and you rise to the occasion. So he went forth in confidence. The master didn't give any instructions that we know of on what to do in each case with each of these servants. He just expected them, as we know in the end, to be good and faithful, to do what was required based on their motives, their priorities, their abilities, and based upon what they knew about their master and his expectations. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to let me I'm trying to make this plain, but um, um, it's feeling good to me. So verse 17, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Now, notice here, it doesn't say that this servant with two talents went at once. So we can, you know, I mean, we just let, let's just put ourselves in the scene here. Maybe it didn't come as easily to him. He obviously wasn't as experienced or on the same level as the one who had the five, but it was according to his ability. So, you know, I just like to have fun with this. Maybe he took the time to figure out what to do. He didn't have that immediately, but he had the right motive and the right heart and the right spirit. And he figured out however he used his resources to figure out what needed to be done to get double. This again supports that the amount each of these people were given was based on their level of proficiency and resourcefulness. Remember a couple of weeks ago how Pastor Brad said that you're a bit, his, in his experience, the ability to run a business depends on two things. What you know and are skilled to do naturally with your hands and what you can learn or have learned through education or experience. So what we are seeing implied in this text is that the ability level had to do with how much these men knew and the experience they had, but also their posture, their resourcefulness, their ability to be confident. Somebody say soft skills, maybe how to talk to people, right? How to not be afraid and how to be bold. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Somebody say his master's money. His so there's so much to unpack here. Let's even talk. Oh, let's start with mindset. The other two took it like it was theirs. He took it and hid his master's money. No ownership. He didn't take any ownership or accountability. He approached it like a slave, like someone who just following aimlessly, blindly, not confident, not able to take their place and fill up the space and do what needed to be done. Not willing to say, maybe I don't know how to do this, but I can learn. Closing his eyes to the fact that the one on the left and the one on the right knew what to do. Didn't ask anybody for help. That was an option. Oh, you made five into ten. Can you tell me how to make one into two? Oh, you want to be like that? Can you tell me how you made your two into four? Thank you, brother. 
not being afraid of the no over here and get wait, looking for the yes. Oh, yeah, there's a dash of pride in this. There's a dash of pride in this. He went and dug a hole and hid the money. Now, a novice will make mistakes. But more importantly, it's about responsibility and accountability. Can you be responsible to ask the questions when you don't know? Can you take advantage of the options to be resourceful and ask for help? Humble yourself. I'm sorry, it's not about you, it's about the servant. Sorry, wait. He could have humbled himself. What could he have done if he didn't know what to do? Some, 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 somebody else, call some things out, things he could have done. He could have prayed about it. Hey, what else could he have done that we haven't already said? Or just in another way, if you don't want to say it. Learned. Educated himself. Research. Anything else? So he had two other servants that could have been a resource, but he may have even just seen them as competition. Or maybe he was like, I don't want to bother them. They got their own talents. They don't, they don't need to be bothered with me because you value, I'm sorry, because he valued what people thought of him as opposed to valuing more the gift that had been entrusted to him. But the part that really gets me is when we come upon verse 19. Now, after a long time, let's stop there. Say after a long time. After a long time. So what we see here is not only did this servant not make use of what was available to him or investigate what might be available to him, but he had plenty of time to get it right and figure out better options. It didn't do nothing but sit while that money was in the ground for a long time. How many of us are sitting while the thing is in the ground buried for a long time? I'm going to raise both of my hands. I've been sitting on something for a long time. For a long time. But then I got up. And I recognized that what I carry is valuable. And I tapped into my resources. Hallelujah. I'm tapping into my resources because I'm worth it. Because what he entrusted to me is worth it. And most of all, he is worthy. Hallelujah. I'm not settling for a hole in the ground. Unless I'm putting some seed in it. And I'm going to water it and watch it grow. But I'm not going to take something that was entrusted to me that isn't a seed. See, 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 see. Seed is for the ground. Hallelujah. But that wasn't a seed. That wasn't the assignment to plant it. He didn't dig a hole to plant anything. He dug a hole to hide it. He didn't exhaust or even explore other possibilities. He just waited for the master to return. So verse 19 says, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, and he had received the five, excuse me, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more saying, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. 
you have been faithful over a little, I will set you master over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then verse 22 goes the same way for the one who had the two talents. He said the same thing to him. Enter into the joy of your master. So these two talents, excuse me, these two servants both doubled, both multiplied what they had been given. I want to submit to you that the fruitfulness is what got them to the place of being invited to be the steward of the master's things. They got to this place because they were fruitful. They yeah. shown capability. They'd been invested into. They had probably be, been trained. I don't know about you, but a good master is not going to have untrained people around them that can't do, that don't have the capacity to do what they're, what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So now these three, I want to call them fruitful servants, are now being called to multiply, to do something. Yeah. To do something with what they've been given. I submit to you that it is a gift to be able to know how to function and do even without being told what to do. Because if you're given something like that, you already know what to do. If I come to you and give you five times your annual salary, I'm not doing that because I'm foolish. Right. I'm doing that because you have proven to me yeah. that you know what to do yeah. and that you have what it takes to do it. To do it. Amen. Amen. We have a crisis in our community as a church and in certain socioeconomic levels in society, and I'm going to leave it there, you know what to do with that. And in certain family cultures, and in certain cultures, period, of which I am a member, some of you are members, there is an epidemic, if I can say it that way, a generational cycle of low self-esteem, of imposter syndrome, a lack of confidence in our own abilities and in our potential. A lack of understanding about who we are and whose we are when you're talking in the church context. Add in a dash of pride. A culture of fear. And we have a systemic issue in our communities. People who are afraid and uncertain of what to do when they have to rely on their own minds. People who are conditioned by default to not lead themselves when given the opportunity. People who use the scriptures and say, well, lean not into my own understanding, trust in the Lord with all my heart. Well, why can't you trust in him with all your heart that he has made you capable to do what he called you to do? Why are you going to compartmentalize that and use it as an excuse Come on. to not see yourself properly. Amen. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that it can be human nature as well for these same people to criticize others who are in leadership, who are producing and question and be suspicious of their moves and motives. And yet when the opportunity comes for them themselves to shift from watching others make it mm 
or following others who make it. That person before who had all the feedback about what this person was doing wrong or shouldn't be doing now finds themselves unprepared or unwilling to demonstrate their own self-leadership for themselves. Unprepared to answer a call when they've been called upon. Not believing that they have something to offer and using all that time to have been distracted talking about what you shouldn't be doing and you shouldn't be doing imposing their own fears and insecurities upon others situations and not confronting their own the therapist in the house is saying amen I know she knows what I'm talking about what is it called projection deflection all of the above all of that because you are uncomfortable confronting the opportunity to develop and grow on your own it's an epidemic I say, I've seen it over and over. I've suffered from it. Mm-hmm. I've overcome it. Mm-hmm. Any right. overcomers in the house? Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, Jesus. Let's keep these thoughts in mind as we continue with verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward <laughs> saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow. Look at him. Look at him. And gathering where you scattered no seed. Let's stop. Let's stop right here. This servant talking about what he knew. Once he's doing that, what we realize here is he didn't really know his master. And we can close the book right there. And we all got it right there. (laughs) He didn't know his master, but he's setting up for an excuse. And instead of choosing to be humble, Mm -hmm. he is further investing in his ignorance. And he's going to choose to be critical of his master. Now, what I'm about to say, we don't know for sure. But I want to submit to you a scenario that happens something like this, just because I know human nature. I think up to this point, you know, he just buried it in the ground and was waiting for the master to come back. But I think when he was standing there, he might have been up to that point that the master came back and was to see what they had done with the talents, thinking he had done something by preserving that thing and putting it in the ground. But then when he heard what brother over here did and what brother over here did, Oh, he had to come up with something good. (laughs) He heard what his colleagues had done with their talents, and he said, oh, snap. (laughs) Right. He saw them talking about how they doubled it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) What they had been able to achieve without being told exactly what to do that they had been resourceful, but they had it in them to be thorough and wise, thorough and wise. Mm -hmm. He started to probably feel like he was going to sink through their ground. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord, what, ah, I didn't do this right. I didn't get this right. And instead of displaying humility, because I believe, because the, first of all, Jesus is telling this story. Right. And Jesus is merciful. We know that. 
I believe that if human nature was just a little bit different and Jesus didn't have another story to tell, this could have had, what are those little books I used to love growing up where you could choose your own ending? Yeah, choose your own adventure. It could have been another scenario. He could have said, Master, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Try me again. But he came for the master instead. He came with criticism and dishonor. The audacity. Disrespect. I knew you to be a hard man. Dishonor. Questioning the man's integrity. When this man, if he has so little integrity, but he left you with a whole year's salary, and yet he's the one who has no integrity? He's the one who is gathering where he didn't plant? Oh, come on now. I knew you to be a hard man. Okay, so let's unpack that part, what he knew, or what he thought he knew. Or let's be real, maybe he didn't necessarily feel that way, but that was the best response he could come up with to justify and defend his actions. Either way, what is clear about this servant at this point is that the servant did not know his master. What did PD say last week about wrong information? And particularly wrong information about God? Your ignorance will produce wrong results. Every time. When what you know about something or someone, including yourself, is inaccurate, anything you're building on that foundation is going to crumble. When you don't have the facts and you base everything on a lie or an untruth or a misunderstanding, nothing you've done will stand. And this servant is not aware that the very ground he is standing on is unstable. Actually, yeah, he was. But he is not making the point he wants to make here. He is actually disproving his case without even knowing it and setting himself up for a final judgment not in his favor. Some of us don't maximize. We're not growing. We're not moving. We're immobilized by ignorance because we don't know God. We're immobilized by fear because we don't really know or trust God and his word. Daniel 11:32, the book of Daniel, Daniel. <laughs> 11:32 says that when we know our God, we are strong and do exploits. So what we can deduce from that is that if you don't know him, I'll let you think about the rest. So verse 25. So he's going on after he talks about the master being a hard man without integrity, basically. So I was afraid and I hid, excuse me, I went and hid your talent in the ground. My God, there's so much to unpack here. I went and hid. A conscious effort to hide. Not even just a decision, but an effort. I went with the purpose of going to bury this thing in the ground. Let's talk about fear. Fear will make you do some illogical, irrational things. Fear is paralyzing. 
Fear will cause you to see things unclearly. Fear will cause you to shrink away from challenges. Fear will cause you to play small. Fear will cost you opportunities to grow. Opportunities to succeed. Fear will cause you to relinquish ownership and refuse accountability. Let me get this out of my hands real quick because I don't want, I don't want to touch it. Ain't me. Fear causes you to hide what could have been multiplied. What could have brought increase to your life and to the whole company? To the whole church? To your whole family? For the glory of God. So in his fear, in his plea, in the case that he was continuing to make, he finishes up here. You have what is yours. Now, what we can see here is that the servant does not have understanding of stewardship and partnership with his master. Here, here's what's yours. He did not understand that he had a part in what was his master's. In the power and potential, he had to be a direct contributor to the growth and success of that master's enterprise. He did not take his place. He gave it away and put it in the ground. Verse 26, his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant or slothful, however you want to pronounce that. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. And gather where I scattered no seed. That's what you knew about me? Well, if you really knew that about me, I'm sorry, that's the gospel according to Courtney. Verse 27. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with my own interest. And this is where we understand that the master had options. He didn't have to leave not one, not two, not five of those talents with either of the three of them. He could have put that money in the bank himself. But what he was after was giving them a chance to produce and be a part of what he was doing. To not just sit there and be a spectator or a consumer, but an active participant in what he was doing. He chose to give it to his servants to give them a chance. For them to be able to say, I helped bring that with my own hands. To bring increase to my master. To not be a spectator or a mere consumer, but an active part of the business. To be a partner. But this lazy servant, this is what the master said, you're lazy. Somebody say lazy. Lazy. He didn't use this opportunity to go an extra mile, to prove what was in himself, to be tested. He didn't embrace the opportunity to do something great without being told exactly how to do it. This evil servant, as the master described him, not only had the nerve to not produce, but to not think of his master. He was inconsiderate. 
He was inconsiderate because like the master said, if you didn't think you could do it, if you're so afraid, go put it in the bank and let them hold it. Then at least you would have had receipts to say you put it in the bank and something happened to it. You put it in the ground. Let me tell you something. When Sometimes when things are buried, there's an ulterior motive. How about maybe he didn't expect the, huh? Look at the scenario. Cause see, I know how people's minds work. I watch too much TV. I've seen too many. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's a mirror. It's a t- television entertainment. Those documentaries, those docu-series can, especially when it's based on a true story, right? It's giving you and some insight into how devious people are. Maybe he buried it saying, you know what? There's no record of it ever having been anywhere. And if that joker doesn't come back, I hit the jackpot. I got a year saving to go. Hallelujah. Unrighteous. Wicked. So master is coming here prophetically saying you're wicked. You meant for me to fall into a hole just like the one you dug and put my money in and you was going to take my money and run. Come on, I'm preaching better than you saying amen the gospel according to Courtney, right? Because the Bible doesn't say that. But I'm telling you, you don't bury stuff. And he said you could have put it in a bank. Anybody ever thought about why he didn't? Well, here you go. There you go. That's why. He's cheated himself out of an opportunity to grow and develop and be challenged. Then he's cheating his master out of an opportunity to profit. Quite likely trying to rob him should he have not ever come back from that journey. Because see, during that day, wasn't any guarantee. It wasn't like he had a cell phone. Wasn't like he had a, you didn't know what you were running into. Didn't know what the weather was going to be. Didn't know who was going to be on the road. So he played his, look, <laughs> the others, they, 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 they played righteously. He might have been playing a little dirty. Now he had to come up with a good excuse because old snap. So this is what the master says. Verse 28, take the talent from him. And give it to the one who now has 10. He's shown that he knows what to do with it. Let him do it some more. For to everyone who has, more will be given. So when you read that, do you think, well, is it to the one who has tangibly or to the one who has dot, 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 done something? to the one who will do something, who has shown what's in them and can replicate it. And it goes on in verse 29, and he will have an abundance. He will have an abundance. To everyone who has will more be given, the ESV says, and he will have an abundance. He, not the master, but he's saying you'll have an abundance. We're partners in this thing. I would not be increasing if my servants weren't good and faithful and able to do some great things. And this was the master strategy all along. Come on, Holy Ghost. To give more to who could handle it as they prove themselves faithful. Come on now. As you prove yourself faithful, more will be given. Hallelujah. As you prove yourself faithful, more will be given. Amen. 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 Remember, we talked about the equity displayed in giving each what they could handle in that moment. But it was never the master's plan to limit anybody to that. 
The goal was to test and learn and prove. Testing, learning, proving, measuring. The cycle repeats to give the servant an opportunity to grow and move into abundance. And the master says this as Jesus completes this parable for his disciples. But from the one who has not, dot, 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 a gospel according to Courtney, sorry. No, the Courtney translation, I should say that. Even what he has will be taken away. And, the, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sobering. Speaks for itself. Now, this is not so much about punishment, but about the sadness and lament of not having produced. Yes. Yes. Of mourning the lost opportunity. If, if, if Lin-Manuel Miranda was here, he would probably put it. Oh, he threw away his shot. And that's why he's crying. And that's why they're crying there, because they had all of these opportunities, all of this potential that was went undeveloped and just nothing producing nothing. So here are my points and we can be done here today. Let's understand today that we are no longer servants, but sons and daughters. And we have a good father who has bestowed upon each of us talents, gifts, and both natural and spiritual treasures. So here's a few thoughts. There is something valuable your father has entrusted to you. Number one, there is something valuable your father has entrusted to you. Number two, the father knows what you are capable of. The father knows what you are capable of. Number three, the father, your father, your good father, expects you to do everything you can with what you've been given. He expects you to do all you know to do. He expects you to learn all you need to know. No one should have to tell you to develop your gift, but thankfully there is grace and mercy and love abounding so that we can cover you and reinforce you and encourage you and empower you to encourage yourself and step out in faith and do that thing. We can be a resource for you. We are a resource for each other. We are a network for each other, but it's up to you to develop your gift. Number four, the father expects you to step out in faith and do what is required by all means necessary with the right information according to your faith. I am tearing up whoever's trying to capture these notes. I'm sorry. Let me go back. If you want these notes, I'll make them available later. Okay, because it's a lot. But I'm going to say it again. There is something valuable your father has entrusted to you. The father knows what you are capable of. The father expects you to do everything you can with what you've been given. He expects you to do all you know to do, learn all you need to know, and to develop your gift. And the father expects you to step out in faith and do what is required by all means necessary with the right information 
according to your faith. So how do we work our talents? I tried so very hard, but apparently I just am, you know, I'm submitted to my husband and I'm becoming more and more like him because I tell him all the time, stop giving people 20 points. Stop giving people 10 points. Can you take it down to three? Can you take it down to four? What I just gave you, those four, and, and if, you, if you hadn't caught on, the, the third one the father expects you to do has some sub bullets there, but those weren't really the points. Those were like the takeaways. What I'm about to tell you right now is how to work your talents. And I have one, because I didn't even number them. I just put bullets because I was trying to narrow this down. I couldn't, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Lord, try me again. When I preach it next time, it'll be four. Okay. Know God. You want to work your talents? Know God. Number two, honor God. Honor God with your talents. He didn't just give you anything and you're not just anybody. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. There is something good about you and something intentional about why he created you. And you have a calling. You have a calling. Honor God with what he has given you. Number three, have faith. Have faith in God and what he's placed in you. Acknowledge that there is value in what he's given you. Have faith in God and have faith in yourself. Number four, believe and build upon the right information. Stop taking those alternative facts, that fake news, and building your world upon it. Believe and build upon the right foundation. Number five, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Get up. Get up and stop sitting down on what God has given you. And then a a sub bullet, because I don't want to have a number six, because we already have nine. Be thorough. Don't be lazy and be thorough if you want to add it like that. Number six, develop yourself. Do you know we got YouTube, we got TikTok. Yeah, you're going to have some mess and run into some wrong information out there, but it's a gateway to more. It's going to whet your appetite for more. Ask somebody. You see somebody who's doing something you would like to do? Ask them how they got there. Ask them how to do it. Yes, sometimes people are funny, but you know what? Be like the widow who is at the table who said, you know what? Yeah, but I'm like a do- the dog still get the crumbs. Get a crumb. Get a crumb and worry about them jokers later. Humble yourself to God. Don't worry about those people. If they want to be spanked, guess what? Keep asking. Somebody will share with you and they won't be offended that how dare you ask for what I worked hard for. I can't stand those people. And I do understand they have a point because people will waste your time but let me tell you something about you you're a child of God and when you come and you ask somebody you're not trying to waste their time you're coming with the right spirit you're coming with the spirit of humility you're coming because you're on an assignment and God is going to open a door and give you favor because he's going to honor your commitment to be able to do what he's called you to do and place value upon the gift he's put in you so think enough of yourself and enough of God to know that when you go and you ask it will be given hallelujah when you ask it will be given when you seek you will find Find it. Develop yourself. Because you know who you are. Amen. Amen. Number seven, take responsibility and be accountable. Stop taking your hands off and pointing at other people when things go wrong or don't go right. Mm. If it's not happening, it's on you. If it's your calling, if it's your gift, if it's your mandate, it's nobody's fault but yours. And fault is a strong word. I don't want to say that because that's condemning. 
It's not that it's your fault if it doesn't happen. Think about it this way. It's your responsibility to make it happen. It's your responsibility. It's your great responsibility. It's your honor to make it happen, to bring it to pass. Because God thinks enough of you and what he placed in you. Take responsibility and be accountable for it. So if the master comes back and you found that you did the wrong thing that time, know and know that the father loves you enough that there is mercy. And you can be humble and say, I didn't do it right this time, but try me again, Lord. Because when you come back the next time, not well, he's only coming back once. But when you check for me the next time, I'll have it right. Because you're good to me and you're kind to me. I'm going to be kind to myself, too. I'm going to keep working on this thing. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm not going to be. Oh, some people get so derailed when they mess up and make a mistake. Oh, I just I can't do this. Oh, hush. Yes, you can. Stop whining. It's time to grow up in the Lord. It's time to grow up in the Lord. It's time to, if you're going to go up in the Lord, you got to grow up in the Lord. It's not hallelujah. As a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. But as an adult, I'm putting away the childish thing. I'm putting away that tendency to say, I can't do this. I need help. And I say, Lord, you are my help. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Number eight, don't hide. What are you ashamed of? What do you have to be ashamed of? God has done a good thing in you. God has given you a great idea. God has given you a wonderful talent. God has given you something. Yeah, there are other people who may be able to do that, but not like you. Don't you hide it. Because it's a progression. Bearing fruit is a process. And it may look like the, the first iteration you have is just the first iteration. If you hide it, it won't ever develop. If you hide it, you stop the process even before it begins. Don't hide. Stand boldly and in confidence in the one who has created you for a purpose. And if you can't do it yourself, this is number nine. If you just can't do it, if you just can't do it, delegate. If you can't double those talents, put it in the bank. Let the bank do it. Delegate. Find the service, find the resource, and let them do it for you. I can't do this yet. I'm not acknowledged. I can't do it yet. But I'm going to do something now. And I'm going to save my money. (laughs) And I'm going to pay you to do it because you know how to do it. And as you do it, I'm going to watch you do it. That's what education is. Amen. Amen. Or there's a service. I may not know how to do what God has called me to do for the kingdom, but I know that they're doing something similar. I'm going to let them do it. I'm going to pay for them to just do it. If you can't do it, delegate it. God wants to develop you into a leader. Sometimes you don't get to develop all your leadership chops before you have to start leading others. Sometimes as hallelujah, sometimes just your yes is going to qualify you to be the one to hire somebody to do it. That's right. 19 years old, this man stood here, our friend. Our friend, my husband's best friend, for years and years, said he was 19 years old. And when he couldn't do it himself and had to go back home to Colorado for a quick minute, he hired my husband. And I want to tell you, I know my husband. He didn't know exactly what that business was or how to do it, but he learned it. Because he said, look, were you hiring me? Okay, yep. Well, one, at that point, I'm sure Brad probably taught him. But anyway, I digress. I just wanted to mention that. I won't go all the way into it. If you can't do it, delegate. 
That is management. See, some of us want to lead, but we don't know how to manage. Some of us want to lead, but we don't know how to be good stewards. And I'm telling you that each one of you in here is a leader. But you're going to have to learn how to manage some things. You're going to have to learn how to delegate. You're going to have to learn how to manage yourself. You know what you bring to the table and you know what's good, but you also know what your challenges are. And you're going to manage around them or you're going to develop around. Hallelujah. You're going to develop out of them. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you where I know. I'm telling you where I live. Hallelujah. I'm being transparent right now. It is not the time to talk about what you can't do or what you don't have experience in. Hallelujah. Come on. That's what faith is. Walk by faith and not by sight. Is that a pass for people who know how to not tell you and give you instructions? No. Is that a pass for you to not to build a framework when you have the opportunity and the ability to? No. But receive this, right? Receive it for what it is. Stop trying to add to it right now. Lord, I rebuke that mindset, that, that, that inclination that's in each of us to try to find a workaround. Hallelujah. But this applies to each of us right now in our context where we are. See, life is not just happening to us. If you don't have room to make the things happen that God is holding you accountable for, you're going to have to make some room. You're going to have to make some, you're going to have to prioritize. That's, that's your management. That's your management goal. It's on you to be found at least walking toward what the father called you to do when he comes back. It's up to you. To at least be on that path to doing what he's entrusted, doing something well with what he's entrusted to you when he returns. What will you be doing? What are you doing right now? How will you explain why you didn't multiply or maximize what you were given? Don't be evil. Don't be lazy. And don't give in to the temptation to not think enough of yourself. Have humility and remember Christ is enough and so are you. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, forgive us if in any way we have not valued, placed significance or importance on that which you've entrusted into us, that which you've placed in us, that which you've placed even in our hands. Forgive us if we have not recognized the value that you have placed in us and the value that we bring to your kingdom. Lord, we assume the right posture. And with humility, Lord, we say, have your way in us. Have your way through us. Lord, we want to be called good and faithful by you when you return. We want to be found. If not doing the thing you've called us to. Well on our way into it. Should you crack the sky before we depart this life? And God, if you tarry, Jesus, if you tarry. May we live lives emptied out, poured out, that we have done the best that we could according to our ability to honor you and serve you well.
Lord, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or online or on a recording. I pray, Father, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that they would take these principles and these nuggets and the things we've talked about today and that our lives would be good ground for this word that has been sown. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas. That's R-A-N-C-O-C-A-S, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us by email and the address is partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His words. Until next time, God bless you.